Hello and welcome to Fast Charge. I am your host, Dom, here as ever, week in, week out, joined by Polly and Lewis this week. Lewis, back from his little break away from the show. You feeling well rested? <laughs> I'm feeling very well, well rested and very... I'm eager. I'm eager to talk about tech. That's a big one this week, I think. <laughs> I, had so week. Yeah. I had to bottle it all in for a whole week while I was on holiday. <laughs> We're on a little Apple run, having done the iPhone recently. We're now doing another iPhone today. And then there'll be no great surprise to hear that next week we might be talking about iPhones again. No. Uh, It'd be crazy if we didn't. I, I know. I'd kind of love to do, do an episode two days after an Apple event and just be like, nah, it's no. not ready for us. Nothing big uh, happened this week, you know. Yeah. There's going to be a Xiaomi launch next week, too. Yeah, yeah. We'll just talk about that for an hour instead. <laughs> uh, so, yes, there is not a typo in the episode description. We are talking about the iPhone 14 today, even though the 13 is due to be announced next week. Uh, that is because just seemingly timed just to annoy Apple, uh, John Prosser has leaked a load of renders of the iPhone 14, which are pretty exciting looking. So it's a good chance to talk about what might be coming from Apple next year uh, and John Prosser's angle on it all is why you shouldn't buy the one they're announcing next week. But we'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, we are also going to discuss the Vivo X70 series, which had its Chinese launch mere hours ago. And finally, Hoddy is going to talk all things foldable as he reviews the Galaxy Z Fold 3. Uh, and we're also going to have some useful input from Lewis, who's also just finished his review of the ZTE Axon 30, which has an under-display camera. So we're going to get some uh, little head-to-head on the under-display front, and uh, it's probably not great for Samsung, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, before that, let's run through some other little bits and pieces from the week. Uh, first up, charging themed as ever motorola has unveiled the second generation of its space charge tech which is a great name uh for tech we've also seen from i think oppo and i think maybe xiaomi as well yeah if I'm i think xiaomi right. but this is wireless charging at a distance fundamentally uh motorola has shown shown a version off before this is their second gen now they've shown a version of this tech that can charge up to four devices simultaneously and up to three meters away from the charger um which is pretty cool it does also immediately though make me think this feel starts to feel less like a consumer device and more like something that gets installed in restaurants and cafes and starbucks because well, as soon as you start talking about oh it charges multiple devices simultaneously you start thinking gee how many people need that in their day-to-day sure we have a few devices but you know these are quite big boxes still the idea of buying a big box that looks like a router to sit in the corner of your room and charge four phones feels a touch unnecessary, maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's cool tech. It's cool to see wireless charging move on from this direct contact thing and into true wireless charges all around you, electricity just in the air and <laughs> waiting. You know, as <laughs> we said it. before, the the you know conspiracy theories around the health side of this are going to be so exciting to watch oh, play yeah. out in real time. <laughs> As we go forward, if people struggled with 5G, the idea that you, you are just being charged uh, as you walk around the room is going to terrify people. Pray um, that like a new like flu booster jab doesn't come out around the same time oh, as this tech release. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Uh, we have had also this week Android 12 Beta 5 has launched. You may remember when Beta 4 launched, we said 
this should be the final beta version. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, Google likes to mix things up. They've actually had a beta 5. This should be the final beta version. Uh, this is, in theory, the release candidate. Uh, changes are that the Material U design language has now been rolled out to updated versions of the clock. Oh, there we go. But clocks. Clock. <laughs> And calculator, both looking prettier than they did before. Uh, the lock screen has had some tweaks to uh, allow more smart device control from the lock screen. And finally, we've got the first version, kind of weird it's the first version when this is the release candidate, but of um, a whole device search from the search bar, which again is one of those features we've seen other OEMs do, but Google is finally building in its own version of that. Uh, I've heard a lot of people, I haven't tested the new version out, a lot of people saying it's still quite buggy, and they're a bit concerned that this is being deemed the release candidate because it's buggier than they're used to seeing a final version of an android version but i mean i've had a little play with it and the only thing i've really noticed which was an issue on beta 4 but it's better but it's still weird it almost looks like it could be intended now is when you go into the app store the search bar at the top once you start scrolling that the whole Ooh, top of the phone becomes one solid doesn't color look right <laughs> it doesn't feel like it should do that but no. it also doesn't look so broken that it might not be intentional it's really hard to tell and i'm sure i'm going to find other things as i use it i only yep. got it this morning so i'm still playing uh, but yes, if you're if you're on the beta, then jump in and try out the new version. Otherwise, everyone else, we are going to start seeing this rolling out in a few weeks. Hopefully, mm. we expect shouldn't be too long now. Uh, speaking of Android updates, uh, we've had a surprise announcement from Xiaomi, who are which is expected to be sort of mere day weeks or days. I think next Wednesday probably when the launch event they've got set should be for the Mi 11T series. Although I guess now they've changed the branding, it will just be the Xiaomi 11T series yeah. without the Mi, because the Mi's gone. Um, the phones haven't been officially unveiled in all their glory yet, but Xiaomi has announced uh, that it's changing its upgrade promise with them, its software update promise, and that the 11T phones, there should be an 11T and 11T Pro, are going to get three years of OS updates, four years of security updates. Um, this isn't the best around, but it's just noteworthy, I think, because we keep saying this question of OS, OS updates is becoming a bigger and bigger priority for yeah. consumers and thus for manufacturers. And actually, Xiaomi is of the big, big players. It's probably lagged behind the most, I would think. Uh, and again, this isn't a, a world-beating upgrade promise. But it's decent, and it shows that they are they are realizing they need to step up here. Worth saying, this is just for the Avanti. Even Xiaomi's press release was very clear to note that they are not promising to do this for every <laughs> other phone in their portfolio. Uh, but it would be very surprising if we didn't see at least this promise for the Xiaomi 12 when that gets unveiled, hopefully early next year. Um, also worth noting on this upgrade note, there was a story uh, that the EU regulators are considering... Uh, a mandatory minimum seven years of support uh, for phone software. Uh, right. That would be security updates, to be clear, not seven years of version updates. But they might start requiring that manufacturers give seven years of, of software support as a, a more consumer-friendly practice, but be a more environmentally friendly practice and something more sustainable. So um, it, it, there's a long way off that ever happening, but we could see... And the industry moved towards much, much, much longer uh, upgrade promises. And you could totally imagine Apple just veering right behind this and championing it because it realizes that of all manufacturers, it's the only one that could kind of easily bring this about for its own line. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they, yeah, they already do that <laughs> just about anyway. Yeah, they must be close at least. I don't know if they definitely do seven years no. for everything, but there must be some products that have had seven years 
and others that are certainly a five, five or six. Yeah, I think yeah, I think five to six years is around the average. So it's just yeah. a little little more of a push for them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay, Realme has had an Indian launch event. Uh, it's unveiled another two budget phones. You'll be shocked to hear the Realme 8s and 8i, which join the 8 and the 8. Pro and the 8 5G, and there's probably some more 8s in there as well that I've forgotten. Uh, <laughs> they're not too exciting. Uh, more exciting is the Realme Pad, which is that long-rumored Realme tablet, um, which is, again, launched in India. Not really clear if it's going to launch anywhere other than India. I wouldn't be surprised if it stays there. But it's a 10.4-inch display tablet. Uh, it's pretty slim. It's got Dolby Atmos speakers, um, MediaTek Helio G80 chipset, so nothing too high-end, but pretty solid. Um, but the impressive thing here is that the pricing for the base model converts at €185 Euros or $215. Uh, and the L- and, and that's, the, uh, that's for 3 gigs of RAM and 32 gig storage. Um, and then it sort of goes up, you can get a slightly higher spec and get an LTE version. In fact, I, I, I spoke wrong. The non-LTE Wi-Fi only version with the minimum specs is 160 euros equivalent in its Indian pricing. So these things are cheap, really, really cheap. Um, Realme does well in the budget space in, in phones. So I could imagine if you were looking for budget Android tablets, this could be a great contender if it ever breaks out of the Indian market. Um, we'll see. We've spoken before. Android tablets feel like they're, they're a thing. Again, um, we're seeing a lot of players come out with new stuff at the higher end of the market. So it's interesting to also have Realme wading in into that real budget space um, and trying to you know, significantly undercut the iPad. Though, though these are still more than Amazon Fire tablets, I guess. Um, True. Still slightly more. I'm not sure what the, the Fire the 10 costs because it's kind of close to a Fire HD 10. Um, but yeah, more budget tablets. Hooray. And the final bit of news, uh, just a brief one. The Red Magic 6S Pro has launched. Uh, this is a not desperately exciting update to the Red Magic 6 Pro. Um, it's fundamentally that six months on, now we've thrown in the 888 Plus rather than the 888. So it's had a chipset upgrade. I think there are another one or two tiny little tweaks. They refined the cooling a little bit. Uh, but really, this is just a small upgrade to make sure that they have a gaming phone out with the latest Snapdragon chipset <laughs> in. So well done, Nubia. You've pulled it off. You've done it again. Uh, uh, they, it will hopefully still be a pretty competitive phone because the, the Red Magics have always been good cut price gaming yeah. flagships, I guess. I don't even know how to term them. They're not flagships, but they do have flagship components, at least on the processor side. Um, I mean, but very affordable. They also managed to get, was it 720 hertz touch response rate is apparently essential yeah, that, for gaming? Yes. Super yeah. high touch sampling. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on to the show proper. Let's start with all things iPhone 14. Uh, we'll probably inevitably talk about the 13 series a little bit as we go through, but I'm going to try not to dwell on it because I know we spoke about the 13 pretty recently on the show. Um, but... John Prosser has unveiled renders of what he claims is the design of the iPhone 14. Um, and a few of the details he says have actually been corroborated by other leakers and other reports over the last few months. 
Uh, a few of the details, as you said, have been directly contradicted by other leakers and other reports from the last few months. <laughs> so as ever, none of this is set in stone. Take everything for the next 15 minutes with a pinch of salt. But, yeah, this might be what some of the iPhone 14 phones look like. Uh, headline features, I mean, the big one is the notch is gone, uh, replaced by a tiny pinhole, punch hole camera, which makes it look like an awful lot of Android phones. Uh, yep. More interestingly, it makes it look like an awful lot of Android phones from two years ago, which puts <laughs> Apple in a slightly funny spot. Uh, and then I think the other big change is the rear camera module is now flush or very near flush. Mm -hmm. with the back of the body uh you might think that's through some incredible trickery around shrinking down the cameras apparently it's just they've made the body bigger so the phone is now thicker to meet the cameras and remove the bump so there is a little bit of a, a trade-off there uh lewis what else have i missed and how much should we trust this to be accurate uh, yeah, this is the question. So I think uh, the main thing from John Prosser's leak is is the design aspect of it. Um, so you mentioned the kind of the hole punch there. Um, it's, it's worth stressing that that is a hole punch, but it will still offer full face ID with it. So the so face ID components goes. will go under the screen, apparently. So yes. yes. Um, and then, yeah, so basically they're kind of calling yes. it... <laughs> How is the question? Uh, it's worth saying that I, I mentioned there have been, you know, some other leaks contradict Pross's claims and Pross's renders. One of the other leaks on this question, everyone seems to agree Apple's going to try and kill the notch next year. Yeah. Uh, and how is the question? Prosser and some people say everything's going under the display except for the, the actual camera. Mm -hmm. um, other people have basically said they're fundamentally going to go back to having a bezel, but a much, yeah. much smaller bezel. And all of the Face ID components will move up into a bezel that gives them full screen, but with just a thin bar along the top. Um, that, yeah. to me, sounds a lot more plausible. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so so John uh, John Pross has already said it, he hasn't heard much about the technical side of what the iPhone 14 will offer, so it's mainly focused on the design. He has said also that the, even though the colours are pretty in his renders, those aren't confirmed. Um, he saw photos of a gold one, a gold. Uh, so this is all based on he saw real life photos of a uh, iPhone 14 Pro Max, allegedly. Are we talking um, like of, a, of an actual physical thing, or, yeah. or he saw yeah. official renders? He, he claims to have seen hands on photos of a right, prototype right, right. of yeah. a 14 Pro Max. Gotcha. Yeah, and then he's remade them so he doesn't you know bait out his sources or anything like that yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so the big thing is with this redesign is that it's kind of a merging of the iphone 12 and the iphone 4 if you cast your minds to way back when mm -hmm. um so you can see that we've got these circular volume buttons which i really really like and i didn't even yeah. think that they were missing until i saw this and i was like wait yeah that was a thing yeah, i really liked yeah well, i i'd forgotten they were it, it, i had a similar thing but and then i saw them and was like oh yeah cool it's got those classic iphone round volume buttons then it got pointed out they haven't been on <laughs> There since the iPhone 4, but I so immediately went, yeah, that classic Apple design, those round yeah. buttons. Um, I'm enjoying this regression that we're getting, like from, oh, the, yeah. from the 12 series, we're going design-wise, we're going backwards, but in yes. the right way. It, it's still got the squared off edges as yes. well that they yeah. just you know, brought back. So they, they've recently. kind of tweaked that a little bit as well with the uh, the 14 allegedly. So on the 12, where is my 12? I was in a case. Let's see if I can quickly get that out well. Just talking about stuff, looking at stuff. Anyway, here we are. <laughs> so as you can see on the iPhone 12, for the people on the stream, uh, you can see this. If you're not on the stream, I do apologize. But you can see the antenna runs slightly around the outside of the body. It's not quite flush. Uh, so yeah. in, on, on the new ones, you will have... Um, it's basically the glass will sit on the antenna on the front and back, just like with the older iPhones. So it'll be flush on the sides. Ah. Yeah. 
you won't get that look because there's a slight step on the uh, the current iPhone models between yeah. the glass and stuff like that will be gone. They'll all be completely flush. So it is a very slight step. To be clear. <laughs> Super slight. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. but it's a but step. But that's the level of detail that Apple goes to, right? Yeah, like, yeah this, is, this is why. Yeah. On. Exactly. This is why they kind of take their time with, with tech releases and in general. And to be honest, actually, I should probably mention now, there's a lot of talk about periscopes at the moment. The iPhone 14 is not going to get a periscope. That is apparently an extra year away. That is a 2023. Yes. Well, I mean, the, if this is all true, you can see the challenge they've got here is they can't do a camera's flush with the body while doing periscopes, given the way periscopes <laughs> are done right now. Like, periscopes yeah, yeah. just have to jut out a little bit more. Even with this whole approach of maybe just making the whole phone thicker. But equally, they can't do one year where they're like, we've made the cameras flush with the body, this is so amazing. <laughs> and then a year later, be, we've added a telephoto, now the cameras aren't flush with the body anymore. <laughs> so that's, again, one of the reasons I'm a little sceptical, because I feel like they're just asking for trouble by making yeah. it flush if they can't sustain that and i'm not convinced they can sustain that if they want to go down the periscope route and like my question yeah. is does anyone really care about periscope it's nice to you know it's nice to, to be able to be like look my my 1200 1300 pound phone can zoom in 100 times but <clears throat> as we know it's usually pretty bad and you never really I, I use it good now is the Ooh. thing i think they were bad but they are good I really and like the, having like 10 times. Yeah, that's yeah. five, five that's to the, 10 times. You don't yeah. need 100 times, but good zoom at five to 10 times does have its uses. If nothing else, they've just got that problem that every Android flagship is going to have it. Most of them have it right now. Yeah. All of them will have it. And people do enjoy that. And I think there is a bit of a, it's a very obvious thing Androids can do that iPhones can't. Um, <laughs> and, and Apple doesn't always chase after what the Android market does, obviously. No. But, it once something's completely widespread across the Android market, I think it becomes much harder for them to ignore it. Yeah, I'm curious about the whether there will be any controversy about, um, you know, Apple. I think was probably one of the first phone makers that got in in hot water for a camera bump back when was mm -hmm. it the six series uh, was the first one to introduce a camera bump, and that was like a whole thing of how much the phone yeah. rocks on yeah, the right, table yeah. and stuff. Yeah, are they gonna? is it going to go the other way now like it's too flat it's like slides across surfaces and falls off all the time like there's going to be it's so it's hard to pick up on the table <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you worry a bit more something. about scratching, scratching the, the camera yeah, oh, for sure. ones, yeah um so i think absolutely people will complain in, in the opposite direction we're all used to camera bumps now that's Speaking. again one of the reasons i'm skeptical of this because i just don't think i don't think there's a big win in making no. the camera module flush but there is a potential loss in terms of those complaints, but also in terms of if they've just made the whole phone thicker and everyone... It's one of the big um, hand-feel things for whether a phone feels premium and fancy is often whether you pick it up and it feels very thick and bulky versus feeling mm. slender. Mm. And Apple's actually maintained the kind of slender design pretty well, and that's part of why they've always had small batteries fundamentally. Um, I would be kind of surprised to see them give up on that and have you, you know this point where the phones feel chunky and hefty yeah U using the the 12 series as a kind of like guide if they've just brought the thickness up to match the depth of the camera so the whole phone is thicker then if as long as it has a bigger battery that's fine by me i mean i think apple's battery yeah. life has gotten so much better nowadays and it's oh, yeah. very good now 
Uh, but if they could put a big old battery, like way bigger than we we're used to seeing in these phones, because of that extra room, then that yeah. that'd be awesome. So, they, yeah. The iPhone 14 is rumored to move to a four nanometer process uh, from the five nanometer, so that should obviously offer a slight improvement to battery life and, and efficiency and stuff like that. And there is, I mean, battery life is apparently the focus of the iPhone 13, so hopefully they'll be carrying that over to next year as well. Mm. Uh, on the camera front, actually, uh, that is one of the main changes, apparently, apart, aside from the actual design itself, coming to the iPhone 14. Uh, so it's going to be an upgraded main wide-angle camera. It's going to be a 48 megapixel. So I've got to, re- I've got to read this out because there's just too much technicality. <laughs> so it's, uh, okay, to be clear, this, isn't, this bit is not coming from Prosser now. This is, no, um... this is, this is Ming-Chi Kuo. This is a, a, a prediction he made a little while ago. So he says that there's a one and one third inch 48 megapixel CMOS image sensor for the wide. So that's the main uh, camera. Um, I mean, that doesn't sound too exciting just on the surface, but he's saying that <clears throat> because obviously, as we know, on the Android side of things, pixel binning is a huge thing with the higher res uh, cameras. So you, you take, you know, four in one pixel binning, you take those pixels, squeeze them down, better detail and stuff like that. Uh, so Apple, well, apparently Apple wants to do this, but while also taking a standard 48 megapixel image. So it'll be able to take this four in one pixel binned image and the, the original at the same time. And that comes with different pixel sizes, which then has a knock-on effect on image quality. Mm. It's all very confusing stuff. <laughs> I'm curious why they would want it to be able to capture simultaneously. I don't immediately get what the benefit there no. is. Um, unless it... I guess I guess what it's doing is doing that in some way to still output a single image, but use the different types of information you capture from the true high-res versus the pixel bend, combine them... Yeah, and then combine those into one image that gets the best of both worlds yeah somehow or something like that like if you could capture get the extra light capture that you get from the pixel bin image but still get all that true high-res detail you're getting from the non-binned image somehow i could sort of see something there yeah i just i i yeah i think you're probably onto something there because i can't see the point i don't see why it- I mean, for some photographers, maybe there's some benefit to it if they want to have a backup and have both of them at the same time so they can choose which they want to edit or whatever. But for yeah, the average that's... person, it's not as yeah. exciting. Um, but Kuo does also suggest that the larger sensor means that the iPhone will be able to record at 8K, um, which it doesn't at the moment. I mean, is 8K... I mean, I, I know that it's the big buzzword on the Android side of things. You know, 8K videos is, is coming and it's on some phones and it's hitting 30 frames per second, but... Is it ready for mainstream? I mean, will it even be ready in the next few years? That's the question, and I'm—I don't think so. I think we've got enough of an, a problem getting people onto 4K TVs to appreciate 4K, let alone 8K. Mm. Even though it's not as like headline making, I think Apple was right with the 12 series to move to the Dolby Vision and kind of focus just yeah. on image quality yeah, in 100%. video and stills. Um, so yeah, 8K. I, I I don't think it's it's a problem that they're sleeping on 8K. If if you could even no. call this sleeping on 8K, like. <laughs> But I mean, it's still not time. universal on the Android side. You know, yeah. Samsung's on its second iteration of doing it for its S series. You know, the, the S20s at 8K and the S21 still do. But I, I could say which off the top of my head, but there are still Android flagships that come out that don't bother with 8K video support. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though the chips do it, you know, the, the Snapdragon 888 supports it as the 865 did before, but there are even phones that use those chips that still don't bother to build in that support that comes from the chipset because they're clearly just don't see it as a priority in the market it it, it doesn't seem to be driving anything because so you said we we have 
4K makes sense because we've now all almost got 4K TVs. They're very widespread, so you start to think, oh, I've got places with 4K and it's in people's heads. Like, 8K isn't. No one owns an 8K TV. Not no. really. No. Uh, there's nothing to do with 8K. The, the, you know, if I record 8K video, I don't have anywhere I can output that and display it in 8K. I've just yeah. got no way to actually watch that. So, you know, what does it matter? Yeah. It's only really the phone makers who are also create like ecosystem products like Xiaomi in China, but yes. you know, like Samsung. And, and Samsung maybe... has AK TVs. They make AK TVs. So it makes <laughs> sense for them to highlight they've got this because they hope it will drive some AK TV sales and, and vice versa. Yeah. If you don't make AK TVs, why would you bother? Like yeah. your users aren't using this feature. So yeah. Uh, so, so but like I could believe Apple Apple doing it if it thinks it's it's ready to do it and this would be, you know, a year and a half from now. Yeah. Uh, or, sorry, a year from now. Um, sure, I, I can believe that. Um, it's worth saying on that note, on this camera note, and in fact, for a lot of what we've spoken about, a lot of this is probably about the pro tier. And several of these things we've spoken about might not be true for the non-pro models, even down to that design stuff. And again, this is yeah. one of those points where I read Process Leak and I kind of am skeptical because he claims that that removal of the notch and the punch hole uh, camera and the under display face ID, he claims that might be or probably will be for the pro mm-hmm. models only. And I just look at that and I I don't know. I, it wouldn't be the first time Apple's done something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had but the last time there was that kind of big design shift, it was when we had the 8s and the 10 launching yeah. simultaneously, but they were named very differently to mark the fact that Apple saw this as a generational leap. It's changed in design language. I find it really hard to believe they're going to have an iPhone 14 come out with a notch and a 14 Pro with no notch that are branded the same, sit in the same line. It it seems weird to me. Just gives you an extra reason to upgrade to the Pro. And that's one thing that they're missing at the moment. That was the issue, right? Yeah. (laughs) When you reviewed the 12 Pro. Exactly. That was your main point. Yeah. Do not buy the 12 Pro. Buy the 12. It's basically the same. (laughs) I think the Uh, challenge I have with it is that part of... It, it, you know, it goes back to what I, I remember, you know, reading at the time the notch was first introduced and, and sort of the year later when people were talking about when Apple are going to change it is the thing with Apple is they like iconic designs. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, the old iPhone with the home button yeah. is immediately recognizable as an iPhone. And, and you know, they still have that design in the, in the SE. Uh, the notch has become immediately recognizable as an Apple design to the point that when other Android brands did notches, everyone said they were mm-hmm. copying Apple. And in fact, now they've all moved away from the notch. So it really is, if you see that notch, you know you're looking at an iPhone. Yeah. It seems weird to me that Apple would A, move to a design that's already being done by Android and has been done for a while, so it doesn't look immediately recognizable as Apple. And B, they'll have this staggered thing where of the new iPhones, some of them are in one design language and some of them are in a completely different one. And suddenly that it waters down that idea of looking at it and being like, oh, it's an iPhone, right? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a really good point. Strong point. Mm. Uh, on on the the various models of iPhone 14, though, the Mini will not be one of them. So, yeah, I was wondering whether yeah. it was going to make it past the years. <laughs> uh, so this is according to Ming-Chi, Ming-Chi Kuo again, um, making a prediction. But, yeah, he says that the, the Mini is gone from the 14. This year will be the last year for a Mini, and then they're canning it because nobody wants a small phone. Only yep. tech journalists get excited yeah, about them. Literally. <laughs> Again, this is what we've heard and we've spoken about it on the show before, but sales of the, the 12 Mini have reportedly been, well, not reportedly confirmed to be pretty poor compared to the other models. Uh, Apple was too committed to the 13 line 
to to can the mini for that so we are yeah. very much expecting a 13 mini to be unveiled next week but they based on the 12 mini sales yeah everyone seems to agree they're they're not doing that um, yeah. but so we are still getting four models is the theory though it's not that they're cutting down to three they're just giving still doing four but splitting them up differently is that right lewis yeah so uh the rumor suggests that there's going to be 6.1 inch which is a standard iphone 12 and 12 pro size uh, and a 6.7 inch standard iphone as well as the pro max so they're kind of shifting in the opposite direction right so so so, yes so it's iphone 14 and iphone 14 max and then iphone 14 pro and 14 pro max yeah both the same sizes across both of them yep okay yeah That was tough, but I guess so that people yeah. are more interested about having larger screens regardless of how much of the tech, the pro tech is in there. Yeah. Or I, having a smaller phone. Yeah, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd, yeah. That's the, I mean, I think this is the thing, like, you know, on the Android side of things, you're getting 6.92 inch smartphones now and people seem to love them. Yeah. I suppose. So why aren't Apple to follow in suit? My reservation about big iPhones in general is that they've always felt bigger than android phones that have, have larger displays like they always feel really it's big because it's the aspect ratio yeah. Yeah, yeah so wide so yeah I'd, I'd kind of be more inclined to that if that was the big change if they went for a narrower aspect ratio that would be the thing i'd I kind of want more in a big i think iPhone. i don't think they could get rid of the aspect ratio at this, this point because then it would kind of look more like every other android phone i think part of the the experience is the fact that it is the aspect ratio that it is yeah well the front camera shot like the way it's just a dot in the center, the main phones I think of are the S21 range. Right? Yeah, See yeah. That immediately. camera design. Yeah. Um, again, that's what I find so funny about these vendors is from the front, there is nothing there that tells you it's an iPhone. No. That's why I don't <laughs> buy that it's what Apple will do because you just, right. you just cannot tell that's an iPhone. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it just feels like, it, it feels like what Apple doesn't do in multiple ways, which is one, it doesn't feel distinctly uniquely Apple. But B, it's clearly a compromise where they're putting the face ID under the display, but the camera can't go under the display. Yeah. And they're kind of fudging it and going halfway. And that's something Android brands do. And it, Apple, I'm not saying Apple never does it, but it's rare. It's no, unusual yeah. for Apple to go halfway on something like that. They're obviously famous for just being behind by years because they wait till they can Affected. get it right, basically. Um I, I find it odd that they do this halfway house rather than just wait until they can throw everything under the display or everything into a bezel uh, that's thin enough and, and just do it like that. Mm. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a touch skeptical and obviously John Pross's track record is up and down, I think. <laughs> On the accuracy, it's been better recently. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I don't want to, you know, throw too much shade. Process way, he's had a lot of stuff that's come out that's turned out to be completely correct, Uh, and I believe he was correctly calling all the dates around the 13 launch and and got all that stuff right. As far as we can tell, this feels like this feels like the biggest lead time on any of the things he's leaked. Yeah, like more than I can think of anything. Obviously, yes, for big renders and everything like that, the full full look at here's what the phone looks like. Yeah, I was yeah. Say, he's spoken about the foldable iPhone before, but there's never been any real substance to it. It's just kind of tweets here yeah. and there. Um, but right. this one he seems a lot more confident with. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, interesting. It, it does sort of take some of the wind out of Apple sales for the event next week, um, which I haven't actually said properly, but that has been confirmed. It's taking place next Tuesday, the 14th. Um, iPhone 13 series is expected. Um, potentially along with new iPad. Is it iPad or iPad Pro? 
Sorry, yeah, no it's, iPad, it's the uh, well, it's the entry level iPad and, and a, a redesigned iPad Mini. Yeah, yeah, Re- regular iPad, maybe iPad Mini, Apple Watch Seven, maybe AirPods Three. Um, the headline for the event is streaming California, California, stream- stre- California, California streaming because of California dreaming. Obviously, yeah. thank you. Uh, <laughs> so everyone's expecting that to mean it's Apple TV Plus or Apple Music Plus content as well. So I'm sort of focus on that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of TV Plus just because off the back of Ted Lasso, they've had the best wave of actual like positive publicity for their streaming service <laughs> that they've had since it launched. So now it feels like a really good time for them to double down because they've got Foundation debuting soon as well, which yeah. is going to get some excitement. So I feel like they might go a little big on TV Plus right now and, and you know, um, celebrate that a bit because for the first time they actually do have something to celebrate there. And I think... Like. Um, the extended free trial that they gave for about a year and a half to people has now ended. So mm. they need to get paying people subscribers to, interested. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, everyone with a PS5 just got six months of it, but there aren't enough people with PS5s, as as you know, <laughs> as Sony agrees, I'm sure. Uh, but that's that's the only reason I'm watching. I'm watching Ted Lasso on my PS5 freebies. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yes. So iPhone event next week. We will of course be talking about it on next Thursday's show. So. Uh, Come back next week for our thoughts on what they actually announce um, and what the 13 range looks like and how it shapes up. John Prosser thinks, based on his 14 links, you shouldn't buy the 13 because it's not an exciting enough upgrade compared to what's coming next year. Uh, Take that with a pinch of salt, but bear that in mind as we go into the new iPhones. Okay, speaking of new phones, we have had an actual Android flagship launch today, which is very exciting. The Vivo X70 series was unveiled in China this afternoon. Uh, this is, comes about nine, ten months on from the X60 series. They debuted uh, late December uh, last year, and then actually the Pro Plus was early January last year. So we're not quite a full year on from the X60s, but we're also not in a sort of biannual every six months model. I'm not really sure what Vivo's trying to do here other than just, you know, it realized it had some phones ready, so it thought it would put them out in the world <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, as with the previous two gens of the, the X flagship, we have three phones. We have an X70, an X70 Pro, and an X70 Pro Plus. They will be launched in China. Uh, word on the street is the global launch is just days away. There's a, there's a Vivo teaser site with a countdown to next Tuesday. So it looks like that might be when we get full global details. Um, those spoilers, Tech Radar is running a quote today that claims from a Vivo exec saying that the phones are not launching in Europe. Or I think the claim is no plans to launch the X70 series in Europe. Um, so this may not actually come to Europe, which is a bit of a surprise given that they are trying to push their, their presence <laughs> in Europe. And they were a major sponsor of the Euros football tournament. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Vivo branding was all over the Euros. The X60 series were like the phones of the Euros football tournament. Uh, it feels very weird to me that they might be considering just skipping a generation and not bothering with the next set. Uh, so I'm a little surprised to hear that these may not be coming to Europe, but let's see. Uh, but yes, three phones. Um, the regular X70 and the X70 Pro have a lot in common, as is kind of standard for this lineup, while the Pro Plus has a few things that make it its own. So let's start with the 70 and the 70 Pro. They are basically the same size and display setup as the 60s. They have 6.56-inch Full HD 
120 hertz AMOLED screens. Generally, Vivo screens have been lovely. I expect that to continue here. So same size, same fast refresh rate. Um, internals, the X70 is using a MediaTek Dimensity 1200, which uh, we've seen pop up recently on a few other phones. Whereas the X70 Pro, interestingly, is running the Exynos 1080, which is the same chip it ran last year, the X60 version. So there's actually not been an upgrade there. They, they, that stayed static, which is slightly funny. Uh, camera setup has had some ups and downs in funny ways. Uh, you're getting a triple camera on the X70 with a 40 megapixel main sensor um, and then a 12 megapixel wide and 12 megapixel telephoto slash portrait uh, the pro has basically the same setup except it's 50 megapixel main sensor and it also gets an 8 megapixel periscope lens so it's got you know periscopic zoom too as, a, as an additional fourth lens there is one oddity here that i've got to credit gsm gsm arena for spotting which is it's the same sensor in the main camera on both despite the smaller resolution on the base phone so what it looks like they're doing is cropping the sensor on the X70 down to 40 megapixels, which GSM Arena hypothesized is probably to achieve the stabilization that they are once again pushing very hard. They've got this gimbal stabilization tech, um, which is on the Pro and the Pro Plus. And I actually, I'm not sure if the regular one has the gimbal or not. Um, either way they're going big once again on stabilization on how that helps them with low light on how that helps them with video capture it looks like maybe there's a bit less stabilization tech on the base model and they're kind of getting around that by cropping in on the main sensor <laughs> to give them some room to to digitally stabilize that uh all three phones have the same 32 megapixel selfie camera it's just a little pinhole in the center it looks very much like an iphone 14 hey, funnily enough. <laughs> uh they have had some upgraded battery capacities 4,400 milliamp hours in the regular 4,450 in the Pro. So an extra 50 milliamp hours if you go for the Pro model. So um, also excitingly, actually, those two phones both have 44 watt charging. That's faster than the previous gen versions did. That's the, you know, getting up to what they were previously had reserved for their Plus models. Um, so, yeah, that, that that is sort of the, the, the regular and the Pro not huge jumps over over the X60 series, but small upgrades in little ways. Uh, and it's also worth saying they've had a slightly redesigned rear camera module, which still looks similar to the um, the kind of two-tone stepped version they've done before. They've just moved the step to the side rather than the bottom now. Uh, and the flash is in that sort of side bit. Can I just uh, get, gauge your opinion on the design change here or, or the design kind of evolution here like do you like because i know you you dom specifically loved the v60 or the previous gen x60 range in terms of the yeah. design uh this looks like a pretty subtle upgrade but do you like it more or less um based on the like what, i'd actually say i think i mean really design wise the only real change is the camera module to be honest otherwise mm. they do look very similar and as i said these are the same size as before um I think I slightly prefer last year's camera module design where the, the step is below the lenses rather than along the side. I think I do too. Um, I think I it why. makes sense for the changes they're doing where they've got some bigger lenses so they want to stack them vertically rather than have it be too wide a module. So I get why they've done it. Um, I don't think there's a lot in it. I think I would slightly take last year's design by preference, but 
Um, they're both still very thin and light, though, which, again, is really what I loved about the X60s. Um, so the, the X70 is 7.55 millimeters thick, and the Pro is 7.99 millimeters, so not a lot more. Um, and that, to me, has been one of the areas Vivo's been really strong over the past few years, is keeping all its phones very slim. Um, and I guess this is obviously a personal preference thing I mentioned with the iPhone 14 stuff. I, I would be hesitant about Apple making the phone thicker because to me that's a big gauge of how I judge how like premium something feels to me is when I pick it up and it feels like thin and light and Vivo for me has nailed that uh, in in all of its recent flagships um, and that does look like it's continuing here so that's very welcome um, the more exciting phone really is the Pro Plus inevitably which um, is a bigger change from the 60 Pro Plus and a fairly big step up um from from the pro so first up and this is the change i'm not happy about the screen's bigger uh it's oh, jumped no. up to a 6.8 inch display or 6.78 if you want to be precise um so not a lot bigger but they have jumped to a slightly larger display whereas before the pro plus was the same size as the other phones uh, obviously nice. people like big phones i'm just not among them so for me a disappointment but i'm, I'm getting a lot a lot of people out there will like this and it is still smaller than say uh the s22 ultra. the s21 ultra or or the, yeah. the the mi 11 ultra um but this this puts it kind of standard mi 11 size i think if i've got all my screen sizes right in my head <laughs> which i probably don't um snapdragon 8088 plus chipset which is exciting um and it also has I, we mentioned this on the show last week actually that the v1 image sensor uh which is actually also on the regular pro um it's also on the pro plus um and this is vivo's first in-house silicon as far as i'm aware uh it's certainly their first in-house image sensor they're very keen to tout that um but it means they've got a little bit more control over their their own imaging i wouldn't necessarily trust that them doing their first chip suddenly means a radical improvement but it does mean suddenly they've got more control over the whole beginning to end process. And, you know, there is uh, an ISP on the Snapdragon 88 Plus, and they have chosen to supplement that with their own, their own chip to, that does the same thing. So they must be fairly confident it's doing something um, better. I haven't been able to get into the details of what it does because the launch was in China. It was all in Chinese. And so <laughs> I've got spec lists that sort of the details <laughs> and exactly what, what different components are meant to do and meant to not do. Uh, a little harder to, to get. Uh, camera setup is actually fairly similar to last year's in terms of the actual lenses. 50 megapixel main, then 48 megapixel, uh, which I think is the ultra wide, and then 12 megapixel, and then the same 8 megapixel periscope as the regular pro that's actually a very similar to set setup they're even using the same main sensor as what they did on the 60 pro plus so no big changes there but the push they're making is it's this new chip that's driving improvements to the imaging um and also a deeper partnership with zeiss once again zeiss planning on everything um and actually one thing that is on all the phones that's worth mentioning they all have um zeiss's t star t asterisk um lens coating which last year was only on the Pro Plus, and now it's on all three models. Um, this is basically designed to cut down reflections and refractions and other kind of little bits of glare um, that you'll pick up from the lens. I actually was impressed by it on the Pro Plus. I went in very skeptical, like, oh, this is, is this really going to do anything? <laughs> um, and I did, even in fairly challenging light conditions, find it, it's not that there was never any glare, but it was there was not as much glare as I would expect 
from certain lighting conditions and side by side last year's pro plus and pro it was definitely getting less glare off the camera um so i actually think this is a a, a bigger change than it maybe sounds like and is going to get a little bit slept on but I, I i really like that um the other two big firsts here at least for vivo that matter are this is the first vivo phone with an ip68 rating and it's the first vivo phone with wireless charging it has 50 watt wireless charging so they've gone straight in with high speeds um That's pretty cool this basically matters because to me i thought last year's x60 pro plus um, or in fact this year's technically, um, was a great phone, but for the price, it was hard to recommend because it lacked the waterproof, yeah, the waterproofing and because it lacked the wireless charging, which I just think at that price, when you're basically paying around a grand, yeah. people, it's just expected, especially the wireless yeah. charging. I think no wireless charging at a phone that costs a grand is just, you know, it's a non, it's a non-starter. Um, and I, it was this weird emission and kind of like, how can they produce this like, ultra tier flagship a phone that felt like it was competing with the ultras but for these two big glaring emissions so i'm very glad to see these have worked the way in because it does now mean i look at this and i think yeah okay on paper this looks like it's going to really compete with uh with those other top 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 tier flagships from samsung from xiaomi uh and i've long been a vivo uh, proponent i guess so I'm glad to see it looks like this will be a bit easier to recommend than the previous years. I'm sad. I would have liked to see the wireless charging at least on all three models, if I'm being honest. I still yeah. think even like the X70 and X70 Pro, the prices they're at, there should you be know, wireless charging, really. Even if it's not the full 50 watts, just, you know... No, yes, slow wireless idea. charging is yeah. fine. You don't need the super fast one. Honestly, the just super the fast wireless... factor. The fast wireless is still a bit nonsense because it only works if you buy the extra charging accessory from that manufacturer yeah. it won't work on other charging pads and for me at least i have a couple of wireless chargers around my flat but they're just random chi ones that are five or ten watts each yeah so i never get fast wireless charging speeds so i never get the benefit of it i don't care what speed you put it in i just want some wireless charging <laughs> yeah uh i guess the i mean the biggest challenge to recommending it for us as an audience is if it if it really isn't coming to europe based on yes. that radar quote then that is Obama, because especially the, the Pro Plus sounds like a genuinely like competitive Mi 11 Ultra rival. Exactly. Uh, yeah. For I me to finally be looking at it saying, finally, a flagship <laughs> from Vivo I can wholeheartedly recommend and I'm yeah. not going to sell it. Great. Yeah. And I was uh, with you on the design from last year's series in terms of, I don't know what, it, again, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't pin it down. I haven't actually like used any of these devices, but based yep. on the imagery, based on your content that you produced on them, like. I think their design is very distinct despite it yes. not doing anything too outrageous. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that carries across with the X70 range. So yeah, it's a bummer that those aren't on. There is one other here. design thing worth talking about though, which is for the pro plus. Um, yeah. And the, the two tone <laughs> stepped camera module has been taken to new extremes <laughs> here. Um, it is a little odd looking. I've got to be honest. This is my one hesitation with the pro plus. They have made design changes. I do not love. Uh, you have a similar vertical camera module with the four lenses in there. Um, and then you have a two-tone bit, but it's not a tiny strip of two-tone. It's now a whole <laughs> section that extends across the back of the phone. So yeah. it looks like the Mi 11 Ultra, except where the Mi 11 Ultra has a screen, this just has black and a Pro Plus logo. Um, I, I think Vivo is calling this a ceramic window, 
So I guess it's a bit of ceramic coating on what otherwise looks to be vegan leather across the rest of the back. And that's presumably part of how they're, they're pitching it. But design-wise, I do not understand what this is doing here. No. Very, I mean, very weird. It's document. wasted space. They, <laughs> yes. Or absolutely. have they gone back to like 2003? And do you remember when phones, flip phones, had the little bubble mirror? So you can oh, snap a yeah. selfie. Is, this, is the polished ceramic meant to serve as basically a rough, approximate selfie mirror if you want well, to use the main camera for a selfie? Sure, Maybe. but it's got Pro Plus written in the middle of it. If it That's was logo-free, like, I would really understand that my, that might my, be... What? It first reminded me of the, the Cyberpunk OnePlus 8T, where the camera module was exactly the yes. same as the Sanimal, but they just dragged the whole unit yes. across the back of the phone. It is, that is a very good comparison. It's very similar looking to that. Yeah. The I, I blue think... version, I think, color matches, whereas yeah. the orange and yeah. the other one are... What is, there's, there's blue and black and they color match and then the orange right. one is i think actually the orange one might be the only vegan leather i'm not entirely sure actually uh the orange one does not color match it's got a black bit rather than all orange mm. um so it really stands out even more on the orange model um yeah I mean, what I would just, have been nice is if ooh. that second section just slid over and covered the camera module when they're not in use like that is genuinely helpful. Like but, the old Cybershot. Sony, yeah, Sony that was my Cybershot favorite man. phone. Yes, an actual moving <laughs> lens cover. Yeah. I'd go for that for sure. What a dream. Uh, as far as I'm aware, that is not what this is, or they'd be showing it off a lot more. No. Um, so Apple's going back to an old design, and we think Vivo should have gone back yeah. to old design tropes as well. <laughs> it just, I mean, we talked about, you know, Tolly, you said yourself they have a distinct design identity. And yeah. You look at a phone and see it's a Vivo phone, and, and I like that. But I look at this and think, for some reason, they're copying the Mi 11 Ultra design. Yeah, yeah. Like the worst yeah, bit of it. And <laughs> yeah. The bit that was only there because it had function, and then Vivo has yeah. copied it, but removed the function that justified that ugly design. I mean, the question so, is, is it thick enough to hang off, like, the edge of a table or something? Does the camera go yeah. <laughs> far enough? But it doesn't like look like Ultra. it does, and, and the extended bit looks to be flusher against the phone mm. than the camera module is, as, yeah. as I can tell from the renders. <clears throat> I'll have to see when I get one in person. Sometimes with this stuff, you, you hate it in renders, and then you get it in person, and you it all clicks. Like the uh, the Oppo Find X3 Pro with that swooshy yeah. curved module. I hated it until I got the phone in my hands, <laughs> and then I loved it. So maybe that will happen here. Um, I'm skeptical, though. I've got to be honest. It's not enough to put me off the phone as a whole. The other, I think the other Apple hardware changes seem really positive, but I do look at that and think... Mm. I, I don't know what you're doing. There's going to be a healthy case market for that phone, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, as I always, guess... this is the thing, right? With design complaints is 90% of people just slap a case on anyway, so. Yeah. Depressing. Hopping <laughs> 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 with disgust at this oh. design. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, I, I'm, I'm impressed with these phones. They're touting that their, their gimbal tech has improved even further um lots more stabilization so one of the fun things on the pro plus is that it's got these four lenses um you know regular wide um portrait and periscope all of um, them have some sort of ois whether it's um, the gimbal ois or regular ois or something so again i was saying they're really going hard on this idea that they are the phone company that does stable photography and video and i don't think there's any other phone out there with oas on every single lens no i can't except something with one lens obviously but you know for, for something with four a quad camera with <clears throat> oas on all four i think this is the only one on the market i mean that's where the price tag comes from then like <laughs> yes. that's usually a huge like divide aspect is just by adding oas to more than one lens you suddenly exactly. get the price shoot up yeah so. um 
but yeah, I, I it, the last couple gen of these, I think the camera quality has been fantastic. And I know I'm not the only person who thinks so. A lot of other tech journalists have commented on that. And they're in this, Vivo's in this funny space where they are enormous in China. I think they're China's second biggest phone brand. I think it's them, Xiaomi and Apple in the top three, but I, I'm not positive. They are huge in China, but they have just really struggled to break out um, and to to persuade the global market that they are as big as they are, I guess. I think they've had some success in India, but not so much elsewhere. Um, but camera-wise, honestly, you know, I, I would take the X60 Pro Plus and hold it up there with, with the S21 Ultra, with the Mi 11 Ultra, with an iPhone 12 Pro Max. I think it is in that conversation, um, but it just gets slept on because they're not uh, the brand, brand recognition in the same yeah. way. Yeah. So I look at this and I'm like, they've improved the camera even further. Incredible. <laughs> and then, yeah. No one's going to buy it. Tech, if TechRadar's <laughs> right and they're not even going to launch it in Europe, I'm like, ah, why? On, guys. A quick Google, uh, according to Counterweight Research, as of Q2 this year, they are number one in China. They're number no. one. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, they're 2% ahead of Oppo. Ah, okay. Opp- uh, Oppo's number two. Interesting. Yeah. I, did, and then I thought Xiaomi's Oppo was four-ish. Three. Um, and I'm then uh, Huawei, oh no, sorry, others, and then Huawei. So Huawei is fifth after others, but uh-huh. that's how they've loved their research. So. <laughs> Honor's also moved up that list very quickly, I think, since it kind of sure. came back. Apparently, Honor's sales this year have been phenomenal, and they, I, I mean, think, the, actually, the they're claiming three. to be top three now. Wow. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah, so I really like the look of the X70s. Um, I'm a bit. We'll, we'll find out the actual global release plan soon. I'm really hoping European is on the cards. They do. They are saying there's a global launch, so there is some release outside of China for sure. But you know, there's global and there's global, so we'll find out where exactly it's coming. Um, Pricing-wise, just for reference, we only have Chinese prices, obviously, so far. Um, they convert to um, starting prices of five hundred and seventy-five dollars for the X70, six hundred and seventy dollars for the Pro, and eight hundred and fifty dollars for the Pro Plus. Um, as always with Chinese conversions, real global prices would be higher than that. So yeah, the Pro Plus is is a thousand dollar phone, almost certainly. Uh, it will not launch in the US, but you know that's kind of the level we should be looking at it as. I think fundamentally, globally, it will be priced around the same as the uh, Samsung and Xiaomi Ultra phones, essentially. Yeah. Um, and one final bit from the comments before we move on, um, niche Brit joke, I think. Uh, Alex in the comments says, do you not find the Pro Plus branding weird because uh, it's associated with the caffeine tablets? I was going to say the I exact same thing. I think that might only be a British thing, Pro Plus, though I'm prepared is, to be yeah. told I'm wrong. I'm... I, I have American friends who do not have Pro Plus as a brand in their heads at least. So, um... But no, I'm fully I'm fully agreeing with that. I, it, I think it was Huawei that did the Pro Plus thing first, and I even then was I was like, oh, yeah. what, what, what is this? <laughs> Uh, no. So for non it's watching or listening, yeah, Pro Plus are, are just caffeine, caffeine tablets, caffeine pills. Take. <laughs> like five-hour energy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sure there are equivalents elsewhere. But yeah, I, I think the Pro Plus, certainly I suspect Pro Plus doesn't exist in China, so they probably haven't considered the branding issue from that perspective. Um, okay. I think we might just have to get used to it. Yeah. Uh, okay, that is all for the X70 for now. Uh, sticking with the Android side, though, Toddy has been testing yes. the samsung galaxy z fold 3 for the last couple of weeks now i think you've had it yeah. just about two weeks um so i we, i think we're ready to actually give a verdict actual thoughts yeah. on the big I, foldy I guess, boy <laughs> on the big foldy boy with the time we have i will just focus on some goods and bads i think is the best way to deal yeah. with this we're talking about 
all the OIS and all the cameras. So we'll start with the cameras because that will lead us nicely into the pain point, which you picked up on during our hands on. And a lot of people have picked up on since getting their hands on it as well. Uh, but on the back is triple camera, 12 meg sensors, uh, main ultra wide and 2x zoom. Uh, OAS on the main and the zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very good. They are the same specs. I don't know if they're the same sensors as last year's Z Fold. Um, and very I similar. I think they are the same sensors from when I was talking to Samsung at our hands on. I think right. the line was hardware's unchanged, but they're tweaking algorithms and software sure, side and sure. claiming it's and... an improved camera experience, but only, only from a software perspective. Yeah, so I'd say image quality is very good, um, just generally speaking across the board. So cameras are really solid on the back. Um, Similar in style to the S21. I have an S21 knocking about somewhere, which I, I did some quick side-by-sides with, and it seems to be comparable. So you're getting S21 levels, obviously not ultra for the zoom. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, it's a very, very good camera. Um, and one of the, you know, a really solid all-rounder. Uh, and then the cover camera is also pretty good. It's a little bit noisier. Um, the cover, when I say cover, is the external display. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's a whole bunch in the top, in the center, um, as we've seen before. That's very good too. And then... We could talk about the internal display camera, which, uh, I mean, it's hard to not to retread the point that we made when we first saw it, which is, I don't understand at least why Samsung thought this was the product and the time to jump into under display cameras with the with the implementation that they brought to the table, based on the fact that we'd already seen Vivo do... uh, ZTE, do you mean? Sorry, ZTE, excuse me. Yeah, ZTE did a much better job with their first gen iteration. Obviously, well, they weren't working yeah. with a foldable display. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've since seen a subsequent iteration that's even better. Oh, yes. Um, and this one just, it's not just that you can definitely see the grid of pixels. But um, you can. But also the four meg sensor behind it is pretty bad in, even in bright light. It's it's not bad in bright light. It's, it's usable. But in this lighting, like artificial lighting or anything less than that it's just grain city it looks like it was taken yeah. from one of the base a series phones and they just slapped it in this you, what, you just have to think that at the point you know at some point someone very senior at samsung had to make the call do we put this tech in this yeah. year's foldable yeah. or mm-hmm. do we not you know do, do we wait for next year or do we put it in another phone first you have to think at the point where they made that call they're you know industry espionage must have been terrible because they cannot have realized how much further ahead Xiaomi yeah. and Oppo's and ZTE's <laughs> yeah. R&D was on this because they cannot have realized how embarrassing their version would look compared to everything else on the market. You know, And the other brands timed their launches to be the same bloody week. And it really yeah. just showed Samsung up. And, and they can't have known, right? They, they, if they'd known how much better <laughs> everyone else was at it. this, they wouldn't yeah. have put it in their flagship, flagship, flagship phone, the most expensive phone they make. Come, you know, launching with tech that their biggest rivals can do way better than they can. It's yeah. weird. The, the silver lining is in actual use because it does match the kind of approximate color. And even when text goes across it, you can still read the text. But if you're not looking at it directly per, in your periphery, it's fine. It actually right. does blend in. You don't notice it. So it achieves that. Like it, it does its job in that regard. <laughs> but when you notice it, you really notice it. It sticks out. I mean, I'd be would have much rather they kept the 10 meg sensor from the Z Fold 2 and just not bothered. Yeah. Um, especially with the kind of money. Yeah, there's other things they could have spent money on here rather than putting that in. I also wonder so, if they couldn't have just copied Huawei and taken that camera out. And that's what Huawei's done with yeah, its Mate yeah. X2 is they just do not have a camera more. on the internal screen. They shrug and say, given the choice between interrupting it or doing a dodgy under display camera, they just do no camera. 
and say, well, if you want to take selfies, close the phone. Use the use the external one. I mean, I would say, like, in terms of, like, having the big screen versus the cover screen, the big screen is great for consuming. It's so, yep. like, really nice. Like, it, I, I'd put it next to the Note 20 Ultra just to see a 16 by 9 image, like a YouTube video, most YouTube videos being in 16 by 9 And it is bigger than that. So it is near enough an iPad mini yep. at this point uh, with a 7.6 inch internal display. Uh, so for consuming, the internal display is great. For creating, if you want to shoot with those cameras, which I said are decent on the back, actually having that super thin and wide stance that mm. having it closed gives you means you can see the viewfinder, your hands don't obscure it, and you feel very secure because it's not as tall or yep. thin as a conventional smartphone. So in a weird way, the thick, tall, and narrow design lends itself to being a good phone for shooting video on as well in that, from a practical yep. standpoint, which is something you, I wouldn't notice from like, my initial hands-on. Um, so yeah, so it has got like merit there if that's something you would do with it, but that's not really what the target audience is based on Samsung's marketing. No. Um, it's um, worth talking just before we move on from under display camera stuff. I mentioned earlier, Lewis has been testing yes. ZTE Axon 30, which is the second gen of ZTE's under display camera tech. Yes, it is. Uh, and, you know, we said, I mean, I use the word embarrassing about Samsung's quality here. Does that feel fair in terms of where ZTE is relative to what you've seen of the... I know you haven't seen the Fold 3 in person. Yeah. But. So, yeah, I haven't seen the Fold 3 in person, but I've watched a lot of videos and a lot of close-up shots and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of get an idea of what it looks like in person. Um, and, yeah, ZTE's implementation is, is day and night. Like, it's mm. almost unnoticeable. I mean, I'm going to try and get as close to the screen as I can. Obviously, it's going to struggle to focus a little bit, but there is yeah, nothing... Um, very, there very whatsoever yeah um yeah so i'm looking i'm looking straight on so let's have a look What's at there? the wait where is it now it's over here <laughs> where is it it's somewhere so yeah, you can definitely oh, yeah. those watching you can see the difference like you can definitely see the folds you cannot see them yeah so let's there. let's drop some numbers onto this so uh what i've heard from my online research is that the the portion of display above the z fold 3 is around 144 ppi which okay. is nowhere near as dense as the rest of the display, I imagine. Um, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> the Axon <laughs> 20 from last year, which was the first gen under display tech from ZTE, that had 200 ppi. So it was already better last year. Um, and now ZTE has come out with the, um, with the Axon 30 and it's got a 400 ppi cover over the cameras and which matches the rest of the screen the rest of the screen is 400 ppi around that that's amazing yeah so it's it's almost unnoticeable the only time you can see it is when the screen is off and you put it at an angle and you're like oh wait yeah there's something yeah, there but at that point who that cares no exactly and, and I, I imagine selfies are better too just yeah at a guess they're 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 not comparable with standard selfies but no. they are a lot better than what i've seen from the gutless fold three to your point, Dom, about like, you know, some exec said, you know, they went ahead with this yep. on the on the fold. Uh, you can see that the then the camera team, clearly they really pulled the finger up trying to get the AI and the, the algorithms to do their job as best as possible. Yeah. Mm. Um, like, especially like with the low light stills, you can see it's definitely better than when you're just looking at it through the viewfinder um, yes. versus the cover display image. Like it's, it's not awful by comparison, mm -hmm. uh, but if you shoot video in poor lighting like this uh it it doesn't have a chance to kind of post process it and that really highlights the difference mm -hmm. um but i would say you know unlike 
the ZTE there. This is uh, in display camera in a 120 hertz AMOLED panel that folds in half, which is kind of cool. This is yes. 120 hertz AMOLED. It just doesn't fold. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was impressed by how solid they're still calling it. I think UTG or ultra thin glass, you know, yep. the, the kind of material, which is from previous teardowns. It's basically a, a, a polymer display with glass fiber like laid glass into bits, it. Kind of really yeah. Cool. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. um, there is a, a pre-fitted, I don't want to call it a screen protector. It is effectively a layer of the display that if I wanted to, I could get my nail under it and peel it off. It's like a digitizing I, layer I, or something. I read the quick start guide beforehand and it was terrifying because it was basically just warnings yeah. about what not to do with <laughs> this device. you can and can't touch, yeah. Yes. Um, and also the other thing which I can't test, but I have our Samsung 4 is it does also support S Pen now, which is why this point in the year would usually expect a note. This is effectively a note as yep. well. Um, I have old note styli, but they will not work on this, but... They have a new Z Fold edition S Pen and the S Pen Pro works with this too. Um, they also come with a softer nib, which is not surprising because you don't want to put anything too mm-hmm. intense pressure on this. Even but then I'd be scared display. with a display that, yeah. that thin and fragile. Uh, yeah, that's uh, still my big, I guess, question we're not going to find out now, but the kind of long-term stylus use with this. Yeah. What wear and tear does that have on the screen? Yeah, my main gripe about the screen is, I guess the material is a little bit harder to buff out anything more than fingerprints um, yeah. with just your fingers. Like you do need to have a, a buffing cloth. I even got my feather duster out earlier just to see how easily <laughs> that would lift stuff. <laughs> just I was just <laughs> testing. Like, this is the lengths I'll go to to test the product. Wow. Um, I so cannot it's, believe it's, you were feather dusting your phone and we don't have photos of that. <laughs> <laughs> I can add some to the review. Okay, I'll add those in after the fact. Yeah, if I turn the screen off, you can see it's, it's pretty, Whoa. It's pretty oh, smear- yeah. spectacular. That, that, um, that looks familiar like, from using uh, like a flip last year. That's terrifying. Yeah, exactly. That's what the material yeah, you, does. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, the cover glass isn't much better, but it's much easier to clean. And that's like the fundamental yeah. difference in the materials there. Um, everything else is really good. Like, it genuinely is hard to complain about much else. Um, the fact they've got water resistance in here is insane to me. Yeah. I don't know how they've made a Still folding product that is water resistant. Yeah. Um, performance from the Snapdragon 888 and 12 gigs of RAM is exceptional. It benchmarks extremely well. Um, oh, I should say battery life is is comparable to previous gens. Like the Z Fold 2 had a slightly bigger battery, mm. um, but the battery life scores from what I've seen from other review benchmarks and tests that I've been reading around, it's about the same battery life because this is a slightly smaller battery. It's 4,400 versus 45. Mm. Um, and the other thing I discovered is uh, it char- even though it tops out at 25 watt wired charging, um, I tried a 27 watt PD charger and Samsung's 25 watt charger, and it actually charged faster with the PD charger, even though it's higher wattage than what it says it supports. Funny, and it's not an official Samsung product, even though I tried it with a Samsung one. So, if you want to use a slightly higher wattage charger than 25 watts it and might. it's PD, <laughs> it might charge it ever so slightly faster. I'm talking minutes, yeah. but it does technically. I guess it's, it's just something about char- charger efficiency or something. How much yeah, is actually yeah. making it to the phone from a higher? The curve is a little bit different. That's yeah, the only yeah. kind of main difference. Um, That's funny. Yeah. But yeah, so battery life is, is um, I mean, I don't want to quote screen on time because that will vary depending on how much you open and close it and use yeah. the cover display versus me being at home right now. I'm using it open a hell of a lot more than I think I would usually in a work day when it's in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was commuting into town, for example. Um, but yeah, I'm not disappointed by the battery life. It just seems comparable. And I think with the thinness of the device when it's open and all the other factors involved, it's it's wholly usable for like a decent portion of the day. And if you lean more on that cover display, it's going to be even better. 
um yeah the the 120 hertz across both screens is really nice performance is great uh multitasking is really good uh it does highlight the difference between android's native inability to do very good split screen multitasking between beyond two apps versus Mm. what samsung's done so even though uh if anyone's using android phone you know when you're in multitasking and you can move between apps you can tap on the app icon and then choose split screen view and you can still do that here but you can't do three apps that way if you want to do three apps you then have to go to samsung's implementation so that's adding pulling out the side menu and then dragging an app down um but once that's in place then again samsung has really worked hard to make sure that all of those um new elements in play that are dressed on top of android work as well as they can um we know that google's working on building better foldable support and that kind of thing into android in 12 and 13 so that will likely become more natural and elegant as we go forward but right now samsung's done a really good job with what they can work with um, so yeah, the price, £200, $200 less than it was with the previous phone, despite it being generally better across the board. It's it's hard not to pat them on the back for that. Yeah, yes, it's an insanely expensive device and only people who know what they're buying should buy. Um, but yeah, they've, they've worked hard and I think it threads the needle better than the Mate X2 does because um, yep. it does a few things that the Mate X2 can't do and it also does it for less. So yeah. I think they've hit a smart point here, which is I know some people moan about the fact that they haven't gone all out on the cameras, and especially because the cameras have stayed static from last year. Yes. Except yeah. that they are good. One. They're but really they good already. Good. I know they're not. I know <laughs> yeah. the Huawei, their Mate had an insane camera setup yeah. from your experience, well, right? The, the Mate X2 has Huawei's best camera setup, um, right. other than it's now the new, the new, the new ones have probably you know outpaced it since. But at the sure. time, it was the best camera they had. And it was that interesting choice. They put the best camera tech they had into what was already their most expensive device. And the result is it's super expensive, the Mate X2. I think Samsung's striking something better here where they try and hit a mildly more affordable price. Keep cameras the same. And if you are a camera obsessive, if that's your thing, you buy the S21 Ultra or you buy the yeah. S22 Ultra next year. And they're just saying, you know, the fold is prioritizing productivity, not photography. And yeah. I think that just makes more sense. It's productivity and I guess media consumption with that with that big screen. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's really smart for them to recognize that. I am sure whether it's next year or the year after, we're going to get uh, Z Fold 4 Pro or Plus or Ultra or something. And we're going to start seeing tiers of Z Fold yeah, where one of them does go all out on cameras and costs still costs two grand, two and a half grand, and the other one starts to creep down a little bit. Like, I'm sure that's going to happen, um, yeah. but not yet. Um, and for now, I think clearly way more important for them to go affordable, especially 100%. because they're the only player in the Western foldable market. Affordable. Yeah. Yes. yes. But they've got this chance to be the foldable company. And if yeah. they're too premium, they can't do that. But if they can get a bit more mass market while they still fundamentally don't have competition in the West like they can get a kind of dominance and a kind of just a sense that when people see a foldable phone it's always a samsung and that's worth a lot to them from a branding perspective i'm sure i mean looking at both the fold and even if you go back to the s21 range this year they have made a point of trying to deliver a better phone than their predecessors whilst reducing the price in pretty much all markets and uh you know obviously with the s21s that meant that the i think the resolution frame rate they dropped the resolution on the s21 and the s21 Mm. plus for example and here, you know, we don't have the best cameras that Samsung can possibly make. <laughs> but uh, those are the right calls. Yes. Uh, and, and there's nothing that's... You said with the S21s, they dropped a couple features. 
Like, yeah. there's nothing on this that is worse than last year's, whereas that wasn't the case no. with the S21s. So they, they compromised on a couple of areas the same to improve others. Everything here is the same or better. Like, the worst you can say is, oh, the rear cameras are the same as they were. But they're not worse. They didn't downgrade them in any respect. But, but minus the front camera resolution on the internal display. But we yes. understand why. The internal yes, with the caveat UDC is the, the only one that's, yeah. you know, depending on what you've used. But then it's UDC, which is technically an upgrade. So, yeah. like... Yeah, it's really hard to really knock this in any way, shape, or form. And also um, the boldness of yeah. the manufacturing choices because the space everyone looked at when they said foldables will get cheaper is they will get cheaper to build because it's the building, it's building foldable tech that's so obviously yeah. prohibitive. You would forgive Samsung for the year they try and do the price car to fundamentally make the design and build the same as previous so that they could use the same manufacturing infrastructure they've got. But between... The adding in waterproofing and the adding in the the under display camera, they've added two new expensive manufacturing hurdles for themselves <laughs> while still reducing the cost. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, yeah, fair play. That's that was not the easy way to, to hit a, a price cut. And uh I'm I'm impressed they managed it. Yeah. It's um, definitely more tempting than it's ever been before. For yes. sure. For sure, yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, I don't know about what plans they're offering it up with, but they're also pushing out a bunch of extra promotional offers for like really high value trade-ins. They mm -hmm. want people to pick up this phone beyond that audience I mentioned earlier. Yeah, They want people yeah. who are intrigued to at least consider it, which I don't think anyone would have even bothered with last no. year's Z-Fold. Again, before it was pitched as a luxury item, understandably. Yeah. And now it kind of still is, but they are trying to just get the note buyer, the buyer who is willing to buy an expensive flagship phone, but for legitimate work reasons and productivity reasons. And yes, this is a price jump up from, you know, the last Note device. Can't, can't yeah. deny that. Uh, it is still a luxury price tag. It is still the most expensive thing they have. Um, but it does feel a lot more justifiable for more than just luxury. Yeah. Uh, and I'm impressed by that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, um, you will know we have not reviewed the Z Flip. I have not yet managed to personally get my hands on one of those lovely little flippy boys. Um, <laughs> Come hell or high water, he will get one. <laughs> one way or another. Um, we will be back same time, same place next week, obviously, to talk all things Apple, because there will be a lot of new Apple stuff. So it's going to be another Apple episode in a row. I'm sorry. Um, we will also probably be talking about Xiaomi because Xiaomi has an event on Wednesday the 15th, the day after Apple's event. Uh, that is when we are expecting the uh, Mi 11T and Mi 11T Pro, as I mentioned at the beginning. Not sure what else it's Xiaomi, so I would expect a load of ecosystem products to land as well and stuff like that. Um, so yes, make sure to come back and check in for that. And one final thing before we go, a little shout out, thank you to Dave Jack in the comments who has actually donated some money on YouTube. If anyone else would like hey. to give us money, we love money. So please do. More money, you know. We'll, we could buy great. a Z Flip with it. Exactly. If we get enough of these, <laughs> we I can buy my Z Flip. We buy one. So come on, everyone. <laughs> this is on you if I don't get one. Uh, yes. Okay. Thank you to everyone. Uh, like and subscribe if you are on YouTube. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.